All right, no one's here. I told you that there wouldn't be if we left the party early. David, what was that? Babe, don't worry about that. We've been planning this night for months. Don't tell me you're getting cold feet now. No, that's not it at all. I... Good. Now let's resume our lovely evening together. I... fine. <laughs> Hi, my name is Matt, and this is Cold Case Chase, a show where I recount unsolved and cold cases. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the Zodiac Killer, a man who has claimed to have taken the lives of nearly 40 people and given one very odd movie review. Let's go ahead and dive right in. It all started on December 20th, 1968. It was like a classic horror film. 17-year-old David Faraday and 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen were parked in a lover's lane just outside Vallejo, California. This would be the first ever strike of the Zodiac that is confirmed to be him. However, at the time, no one knew this would be the work of one of America's most famous serial killers. The killer snuck up on their car and pointed a gun at them. He demanded them to get out of the car and then shot both of them where they stood. Betty was found dead on the ground a few feet away from the car. However, David was still alive. Paramedics packed him into an ambulance and began driving. But unfortunately, David died on the way to the hospital. On July 4th, 1969, in the dead of night, the Zodiac would strike again. This time, it was near Blue Rock Springs, just outside of Vallejo. Wow, these fireworks look amazing, but not as amazing as you. Hey, what's the matter with you? And watch where you're shining that thing. Get out of the car. <laughs> no way, creep. Get lost. I said get out! That night, the Zodiac would shoot 19-year-old Michael Maggio and 22-year-old Darlene Farron. Darlene would unfortunately pass away, but Michael survived, and he was brought to the hospital. Despite his wounds, he was able to give a description of his killer. He was a younger guy, older than me, but not by much. He was a big fella too pretty stocky. He couldn't have been more than five foot eight. And he had brown curly hair. And those eyes. No remorse. You could tell that he was something out of hell. Within an hour of the shooting, the police had received a call that would kick off one of the most notorious cold cases in U.S. history.
911, what's your emergency? What a fuss over two children, wouldn't you say? I should have made sure that both of them were dead. Those kids tonight weren't my first victims. The two brats on Lake Herman Road were mine too. This won't be the last time you'll hear from me. Roughly a month later, on August 1st, 1969, the Vallejo Times-Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner all received identical letters from the killer himself. He provided explicit details in the letters, such as the type of ammo used in the killings, as well as how he left the bodies to prove it was him. All three of these identical letters were signed the exact same way. A circle with a cross through it which would later become known as the Mark of the Zodiac. Also in these letters were a puzzle. A cipher was given to each of the three news outlets, and the killer told them to print it in the paper, or else he would strike again. All three of the papers did what they were told, and so began the ciphers of the Zodiac. The killer claimed that this cipher would reveal who he was, and that was when these ciphers became a must to break. Only a few days later, on August 4th, this letter was received by the examiner. Dear editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking for more details about the good times I have had in Vallejo, I should be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. The police put their top code breakers on the case, but to no avail. However, on August 8th, a couple in Salinas, California solved the puzzle that stumped authorities. It reads as follows. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is when I die, I will be reborn in paradise, and the ones I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name, because you will try to slow down or stop my collection of slaves for my afterlife. You'll see that in this letter, there's a reference to the book The Most Dangerous Game. Take note of that. It'll be a bit important later. Lake Berryessa was a great idea, hon. The sun is shining, the wind is nice, and I'm here with the girl of my dreams. Nothing can go wrong. Something was about to go extremely wrong. On September 27th, 1969, at Lake Berryessa, two young adults named Brian Hartnell 
and Cecilia Shepard would decide to go on a romantic picnic by the lake. Cecilia would notice a man with them, staring at them from behind a tree. Brian told her not to worry about it, but moments later, the figure that approached them would be something out of a nightmare. He came at us with a gun. He was wearing some sort of executioner's mask with some clip-on glasses to cover his eyes. Then there was that bib he was wearing. It had some sort of symbol on it. He tied us up and he stabbed us. And he killed Cecilia. The love of my life. Taken by a psycho. This man would be later identified as the Zodiac. He left a pretty big calling card at the scene of the crime because on Brian Hartnell's car would be the following list. Vallejo. 122068 7469 September 2769 By knife This was a list of all the killer's known murders at the time. Cecilia would unfortunately die at the hospital after 2 days in a coma. But Brian was able to give a brief description of the man, and it was eerily similar to the description that Michael Maggio gave. However, things were about to get a lot more complicated. And where can I take you today, my friend? Anywhere. Just drive. Sir, are you alright? You're looking a little bit off. You don't know the first thing about me, old man. Oh, come on now. I've been on this earth for a long time. Few things can surprise me anymore. This surprise you? On October 11th, 1969, the Zodiac would strike once more. At the corner of Washington Street and Cherry Street, the Zodiac would murder taxi driver Paul Stein. The Zodiac would get into Stein's car and shoot him partway through the drive. A girl across the street would hear the shot and immediately call the police. She would tell the police that after the shot, the man got out of the car, wiped it down, ripped off Stein's shirt, and walked away. She would describe him as 5'8", stocky, and a white male, with red-brown hair, with a crew cut and heavy-rimmed glasses. However, this is where the police messed up. The police dispatcher incorrectly told the patrol cars to stay on alert for an African-American male. A police car driven by Donald Falk and Eric Zelms would come across a man who looked almost identical to the description given by the woman. But since he wasn't an African-American male, they left him alone and watched him go into a nearby park. I believe that the man we saw that day was the Zodiac. We live with the fact that we let him get away. 
It's not a good feeling. The Zodiac would write in one of his letters following this event. P.S. Two cops pulled a goof about three minutes after I left the cab. This only solidified that this was their man. The girl who witnessed the murder of Paul Stein would work with the San Francisco police to draw the now famous sketch of the killer. There was also a bloody fingerprint discovered in the cab, but in another one of the killer's letters he claimed that it was a planted evidence. Now, let's go into one more of the Zodiac's attacks. Hey, over here. Excuse me, sir. Me and my little one are trying to get into town. Do you think that you could drive us there? My car is something wrong with it. Sure, hop on in. Thank you so much, sir. I do appreciate it. Oh, it's no problem at all. I've been looking for my next victim. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm not sure I follow. It's simple. I am going to strangle you, slit your throat, then throw you out of this car along with your child. No one will even know who did it. On March 22nd, 1970, on Highway 132, Kathleen Johns would ride with the Zodiac himself. Kathleen, however, would survive this encounter. While the car was slowing down, she jumped out of the car and ran into a field and escaped. She would run all the way to the nearest police station and make a discovery that she would never forget. Help! Please help! What seems to be the matter, ma'am? Are you okay? Someone just tried to kill me! Do you have a description of the person? He... he... he, he looked just like that man there on the sign. Ma'am, that's the Zodiac Killer. A myriad of letters would follow after the Zodiac would strike. Some real, and some fake. However, you would know when you were dealing with the real killer himself. This is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over by Washington Street and Maple Street. School children make nice targets. I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning. Just shoot out the front tires and pick off the kiddies as they come bouncing out. Attached to this letter was a bloody piece of Paul Stein's shirt, solidifying that this was the Zodiac. Along with that was a diagram of a bomb that could be placed on a school bus. Another letter would be received on April 20th, 1970 by the San Francisco Chronicle that brought forth a cipher. The cipher was the Zodiac's name, and it read, My name is... The Zodiac would send frequent letters all the way up until 1971, 
where the letters became few and far in between. His last letter would come in 1974. This letter, he would give his take on the movie The Exorcist, and also claim to have killed 37 people. Now that we have the story, let's go ahead and hop into some possible suspects. Our first suspect, and possibly the most famous one, is Arthur Lee Allen. This theory was so popular that it got made into a movie which starred Jake Gyllenhaal. Here is the theory from former political cartoonist Robert Graysmith on why Arthur Lee Allen is the Zodiac. We'll start off with a statement from one of Allen's closest friends who said that Allen referred to himself as the Zodiac before the murders were even taking place. He also told his friend that he wanted to hunt people with a gun, which, if you'll remember from earlier, is a reference to the book The Most Dangerous Game. Also, on the day that Cecilia Shepard was murdered, Alan told his family that he was going to Lake Berryessa, and when he returned, he was covered in blood, and a bloody knife was in his car. The police would interview Alan, where he would wear a Zodiac brand watch, which had the same exact symbol used by the Zodiac killer. The police would also search Alan's home and find bloody knives and dissected animals, but nothing that convicted him of being the Zodiac. In 1974, Allen would be arrested for unrelated charges of child molestation. Coincidentally, after 1974, there weren't any Zodiac letters received. When Allen was released, his cellmate, Ralph Spinelli, came forward to say that while Allen was in jail, he confessed to him about killing Paul Stein. In 1991, a Vallejo detective interviewed Michael Maggio and showed him a lineup of photos. When Maggio saw the man that shot him, it was no surprise that it was Arthur Lee Allen. A second search of his house revealed that Allen had formulas for bombs, halfway constructed bombs, and documentaries about the Zodiac Killer. Allen was interviewed yet again and said that he didn't know anything. Only a year later, Allen was found dead in his home from a heart attack. Now Allen may be a popular suspect, but that doesn't mean that there aren't holes in this theory. Allen's DNA was matched up with the stamp's DNA on some of the letters the Zodiac sent, and it was not a match. Allen's fingerprint was also put up against the one found at the Paul Stein crime scene, and it was also not a match. And to top it all off, the Zodiac's handwriting and Allen's was not a match. Allen is also very far from the composite sketch from the Paul Stein killing. Arthur Lee Allen, to this day, is believed to be the Zodiac but there is no definitive proof linking the two. Our second suspect is Lawrence Kay, who went under the nickname Kane at the time. In 1962, Kane was involved in a car crash that almost killed him, but after some time in the hospital, he fully recovered physically. However, mentally, he was not there anymore. One of his psychologists said that Kane lost the ability of self-gratification with all the brain damage that he had suffered. Darlene Farron's sister stated that Kane was harassing and following Darlene the weeks before her murder. Kane also lived only a short walk away from where Paul Stein picked up his killer. Donald Falk, the officer who saw the Zodiac after Paul Stein's killing, said that Kane looked the closest to the man that he saw that day. The Vallejo PD 
had even put out a statement that said that Cain had lived or been near at the time to several of the Zodiac's murders. Kathleen Johns, the woman who survived the car ride with the killer, was shown a lineup of photos, and she picked Lawrence Kane. However, Lawrence Kane's DNA and fingerprints were never tested against the Zodiacs. But the handwriting test came back inconclusive. Also, Lawrence K matches the composite sketch from the Paul Stein case, but not the bigger gentleman that killed the first three. There was also a suspected Zodiac attack that happened in Florida as soon as Kane moved there, but because it is not a confirmed Zodiac killing, I'm going to leave that one up in the air. The last theory I want to bring up today is the copycat theory. The copycat theory states that the first three killings and the last two of Paul Stein and the attempt of Kathleen Johns were two separate people. Most people look at the composite sketch for evidence of this, with the first three describing a heavy-set gentleman, while the composite sketch seems to show that the Zodiac was a slimmer man. However, there is a part of the story that I left out until now. A week after Paul Stein's killing, the Oakland Police Department received a call from someone claiming to be the Zodiac. He asked for the two biggest lawyers in California, Melvin Belly and F. Lee Bailey, to appear on a talk show hosted by Jim Dunbar. Melvin Belly did as the killer asked and pleaded for the Zodiac to call the line. The Zodiac did end up calling and he said that he needed help, and that he was afraid of the gas chamber. Now you might be asking, how does this relate to someone being a copycat? Well, the most recent discovery on this case was the solving of the 340 cipher. This cipher was so difficult to solve that it took all the way up until 2020 to solve it. And here is what it said. I hope you were having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber, because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because I now have enough slaves to work for me, where everyone else has nothing. When they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid, because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise. Death. This shows that the Zodiac who was writing the letters might not have been the same Zodiac that called in that day. But, then again, both of them could be fake. Our final theory today is that does that say Ted Cruz? Honey, I am not putting Ted Cruz as one of the possible suspects for this case. No, it's ridiculous. Why would I put him? No. Just, just roll the outro.
Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cold Case Chase. Thank you to all of the lovely, lovely, lovely voice actors who worked so hard on this. I'd also like to say thank you to all of you chasers for continually listening and supporting this podcast. Please continue leaving five-star reviews down below. It really makes me happy to see all of them down there. Also, if you would like to star in one of these Cold Case Chase episodes, please follow the link in the description to our Discord server where you can audition and just meet a whole bunch of cool people who also like this type of stuff. Also, if you would like to become a member of the podcast, please go ahead and take a look at the description. We have a link for supporting it down below. It really means a lot to us, even if it's just a small amount. We really do appreciate each and every little bit. Also, please keep your eye out for our two other sister podcasts, Case Closed, as well as Cross-Examination, hosted by Shane, and then hosted by Shane and me. So, we'd like to thank you all for all of your continued support. Leave that five-star review down below, and we'll see you next time on Cold Case Chase.